the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I am Charlie Bose. With me, as always, is the great Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week around the Big Orange Podcast. If that's something you want to listen to on the reg, go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed on Apple and Spotify. When you get there, rate, review, but most importantly, subscribe. Because if you do subscribe, you won't miss our shows when we drop them on Mondays. Speaking of Mondays, me and Zach both had ridiculous schedules this week. And it is not Monday. It is Wednesday. But we try to do them on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern time. And when we do that, uh, or anytime we do the show, like at 8.30 p.m. on Wednesday now, uh, you can be a part of the show by going to the A to Z Sports National YouTube channel hitting that subscribe button, hitting the notification bell, and uh, then you can watch, comment. We love uh, responding to the comments, hanging out with everybody here. So come be a part of the show. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, A to Z Sports Nashville. Add Zach TNT, at Charlie underscore Burris, at A to Z Sports, and uh, Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports.com for everything that Zach writes on the internet. We're a little time crunch tonight because of the start time. Buck Rising uh, has to come on here in, in just a little bit. But honestly, you know, he didn't bring me on his show when he had the opportunity. So why would we uh, give him a spot? You know, and I'm maybe we'll just go really long. Um, Zach, I do have to say, I, I know you're you're a Mets fan and that's a tough life. Let's be honest, if you know anything that happened to baseball this year. But my Rangers... Holy cow. I which I'm very much an, an outsider here. My, my whole side of my family's from Texas. I used to go to Rangers games as a kid. That's why I'm a Rangers fan. I think I've said it on here before. Uh just clearing right through, playing in the ALCS. Here we come, but probably gonna have to play the Astros. Now, the Braves, as we live and breathe right now, aren't doing so hot. And I know a lot of Tennessee fans are Braves fans. Um, have you given up on baseball? Is it is it you just don't watch it? Yeah, I mean, it's been football season since about, well, really since probably about late May for me being a Mets <laughs> fan. So, yeah, I know uh, the Braves had a, a tough one tonight, but yeah, yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't count that team out. They're, they're pretty resilient. So it's it's been a good series just as a baseball fan. That game the other night was one of the best Magical. endings I've ever seen. So being able to yeah, watch it stress-free was a fun experience. Yeah, it's I I love that, that I'm sure that Braves fans were pulling their hair out but yeah it was exciting if you don't have a, a dog in the fight but tonight obviously texas a&m we're going to talk about it tennessee set to play the aggies inside neyland stadium this coming saturday um and uh, we're gonna just break it all down also talk about the bye week also talk about uh some a little bit of recruiting make our predictions for the game and just uh discuss it all it's going to be pretty laid back as i said it's gonna have to be a little bit shorter than usual because we got to respect their boy buck but uh Let's just get right to it right after I tell you about our first great sponsor, and that is Farm Bureau Health Plans. Farm Bureau Health Plans have been serving Tennesseans for over 75 years. Much has changed in Tennessee over the years, but some has stayed the same. Farm Bureau Health Plans has always valued personal relationships, especially when it comes to good health and good service. Plan on Farm Bureau Health Plans for health, dental, and vision. For better coverage, better rates, and better service, go to fbhp.com slash atoz. Or walk into one of their 200 plus locations across the state. That is fbhp.com slash ATOZ Farm Bureau Health Plans. Thanks to them uh, for supporting the show. I guess we just right off the top, Jason says, Charlie and Zach, what's good? We're doing all right. Thanks uh, for tuning in. Jason JL says, GBO, go big. Orange, uh, Steven, he says, I'm already pissing Texas AM fans off by wearing Vols gear. In Houston, and Nug says, "Why is y'all schedule all wonky, and why was that Austin dude doing the post game show the last game?" Uh, that's a great question. I got a new like day job, and that has thrown a big old wrench into everything. Used to have one that was a little more laid back. That's really the shortest explanation. But regardless, thank you to everybody who's tuning in, already dropping in with comments. Um, let's talk about the bye week. All right, we talked about the bye week. That's pretty much all there is to say about what happened. Zach, I mean, you you had to write stuff as that is your day job. What did you you think about what uh, what happened while Tennessee, you know, didn't have a game last week? 
Yeah, I mean, I thought it went about as as well as it as, as it could have gone for Tennessee. There was no real drama that that came out, and it seemed like everybody got to kind of relax for a little bit. Some players went home. The biggest thing was just getting healthy. I mean, it was a perfectly timed bye week for Tennessee. It it really couldn't have come at a better time because you saw in that South Carolina game, it, it felt like every other play somebody was down, somebody was getting banged up. You, you've already played. It's kind of sad to think about. You've already played five games almost half the season in the first month. You know, in the whole month of September, you've played the majority of your schedule or half of your schedule almost. That's a lot of wear and tear on those guys. So to get them healthy, to get Cooper Mays, you know, out of that game healthy, he played all but four snaps, all but the final series. He said he was hurting after that. You know he was uh, after going through what he went through, which we found out, you know, after the fact was a, a lot more intense than, than what we previously realized. So to get him healthy, because obviously he's going to be super important in this game against A&M and their defensive front, which we'll talk about later. That's big. Hopefully getting some of these other guys back in healthy. Obviously not everybody's going to be at back. Keenan Peely still going to be out a little bit while longer, which – I went back today when, when somebody asked uh, Josh Heupel about Keenan Peely during the SEC coaches teleconference where he speaks every Wednesday. He said, you know, he's not going to be ready for this game. So I kind of went back because I couldn't remember exactly what Heupel said about Peely when the injury happened uh, after at, during the Virginia game. But it was typical Heupel speed when it comes to injuries. He said, you know, hey, he's going to be out a couple of weeks. Well, been a month now and, and it does look like he's you know going to be back this week against A&M who knows uh, you know for the Alabama game that might even be a little quick kind of feels like Cedric Tillman last year when we kept thinking we were going to see him and, and and even Cooper Mays earlier this season uh, but he's been with the team he's a guy that if you can get him back late in the season with the depth that they've built at linebacker now and some of these true freshman linebackers uh, like Arian Carter and T. Lander, Jeremiah T. Lander, who, who were on the field for very important plays in that South Carolina game in the third quarter, yeah. you're going to have one of the deepest linebacker rooms in the conference, and that's that's pretty exciting. It's been a you know a couple of years ago we were paranoid about something happening to like Jeremy Banks or some of these linebackers because they just didn't have depth, and pretty quickly they've been able to build that. So getting healthy out of the bye week that that's really been the biggest thing, and. Josh Heupel, traditionally, his teams are very good after the bye week. I can't remember the exact record, but I think he's only lost a, a game or two as a head coach coming out of a bye week. So that tells you that, that he knows how to prepare a team to come out of the bye week. Sometimes teams come out flat after the bye, but that doesn't seem to be a problem uh, with, with Tennessee under Heupel. So, you know, it was a really good spot for that bye week to fall. Am I wrong? I think the Alabama game last year was after bye week. Uh, I, I think so because they, they beat uh, – or was it right after the LSU? It might have been right after LSU. I think that bye week came yeah, between Florida and LSU, I'm thinking, for some reason. Okay, maybe. Oh, that I do think that is right. It was one of those, and it just really felt like the the game after Tennessee was just really refreshed and came out and played well. In fact, I think I remember I think us talking. Yeah, I think I remember us talking about how emotional beating Florida finally kind of for the first time and then having a week off to kind of or I think maybe it was even – I can't remember how that schedule worked out. I know Akron was in there, too. I guess that was before Florida. But it seemed like it, it came at a good time last year, too, where they kind of let let themselves calm down after after a big emotional win before going into the second half of the season. It It's never a bad thing, and especially right now when you had all these injuries. I, I just really hope that you can get back as many dudes to close to 100% as you can because it's just the season just wears on you. Now, here's the absolute truth about what's about to happen for Tennessee. This is your entire season. This stretch that's coming up is going to really speak to who this football team is. And I'm sure they know that. I'm sure they've been talking about it. But you just have Texas A&M, Alabama, Kentucky, Missouri. Uh, it's It ends with Georgia near the end of November. And then, you know, Vandy's there too. But it's been there. Nice yeah, reprieve, I guess. Vandy is on the schedule like UConn is on the schedule at this point. Um, but it, this is just a huge, huge, huge stretch. It, what what happens in October starting this week is really going to be what we talk about when it comes to this season. You're going to talk about, oh, Tennessee beat Texas A&M, Tennessee beat Alabama, Tennessee did this, did that. And and what what really needs to happen when I think about it is this – Every game's a must win, more or less. You want to win every single game. But this Texas A&M game, because you have to go 
to Alabama because you have to go to Kentucky. You have to go to Missouri. And so far, Tennessee hasn't exactly been an incredible team on the road with uh, Josh Heupel. Obviously, the best game in his tenure was against LSU, but then you go to South Carolina last year, blow it to Georgia last year. You don't look too good. They, they've just struggled in road spots. And so you got to win these ones at home. You have to take advantage. And that's the situation that I think you're in this week. Uh, and it, it it all starts with this bye week, with this preparation, with getting healthy. Hopefully they did. I I say I wish we had more to talk about with the bye week, but at the same time, you think back to to what always happened with Butch and stuff, dudes getting in trouble, nonsense, falling, falling on helmets. I don't know if that was during a bye week, but it did happen during the season. You know, just nonsense that would happen with Butch. I don't mind not hearing anything at all i it's it's kind of nice the the void of information is honestly better than having some absolute bs to deal with where yeah just things are happening off the field that you don't even want to talk about but uh anything else with the bye week that you think needs to be touched on before we move on to we're going to pretty much talk about like the texas a.m alabama game next uh and how that reflects on tennessee power t is already saying here in the comments a&m We'll be able to stop the run. It's a huge factor coming up. But but anything else with the bye week? Yeah, yeah I, th- I think it's. I don't know. It feels interesting that they were able to kind of sit back and watch that A and M game as we were able to, you know, since they were off and and watch the TV copy of it and kind of pick up on some things. I know they're watching their all twenty two. They're game planning. They're trying to pick up every little thing that these teams do. But I do think there is something to kind of being able to watch that game, hearing the crowd seeing how A&M reacts to stuff, seeing how Alabama reacts to stuff that maybe you don't pick up on that coach's copy of the film. Does that provide an advantage? I, you know, it's probably negligible at best, but I, I do think it puts them kind of in a different spot than A&M and Alabama where, you know, they're, they didn't get that luxury to kind of sit back and, and watch, watch college football on Saturday. They didn't get the luxury of getting healthy through the bye week, whatever Texas A&M dealt with last weekend injury wise. It's going to carry right over into Saturday. They, they don't get that that chance. So I do think it gives Tennessee some advantage there as far as rest and all that. And, you know, maybe maybe that shows up on the field Saturday afternoon. I, I certainly hope it does. I do, too, because as, as I'm saying, this is you're setting the tone for this October stretch. Man alive, this October stretch is is really going to define what this season is all about. Now, now that the Florida game has passed and you you didn't show up for for that one, this is where you have to make your money. The South Carolina game was a revenge spot. Mm-hmm. That was nice. You you accomplished everything you wanted to there. You, you you more or less blew them out on on your home field, and that's great. Um, but now I think the the rubber really meets the road. And yeah, and it, it's a it's an opportunity to really send Texas A&M into a tailspin with Jimbo Fisher. That's I mean, true. He's kind of been treading water. The big buyouts helped, but he's never lived up to the expectations with these impressive recruiting classes. And you do want to send them into that tailspin because guys hit the transfer portal. Top recruits considering Texas A&M, well, all of a sudden maybe they're considering somewhere else. And it doesn't mean they'll land at Tennessee, but the more you disperse that talent, uh, it just it, it works out better for, for the competition in the sec and you know a&m is not a direct rival really with tennessee but with the way the conference is moving and getting rid of divisions you want a weaker texas a&m you want everybody else to be as weak as possible really i mean that's kind of you got to beat them either way but it certainly helps if they're not as strong as, as they would be so they had that chance against florida and that was different because it was on the road with billy napier who's still facing a lot of those questions uh, from florida fans but you really don't want to pass up this opportunity with it being a home game to just kind of kick Texas A&M down another notch, make them really consider some coaching changes. And there's no sure things out there. You know, there's there's not some – even like when Tennessee kind of got lucky hiring Josh Heupel, there were no real sure things out there. There was no consensus. This is the guy. And, and Jimbo was supposed to be that for Texas A&M. So if you can send them back to square one, I mean, it, it's got to be better for Tennessee and, and everybody else in the SEC really. I mean, to, to your point, Jason says, if we smoke A&M, we should 100%. go after Walter Walter Nolan, of course, a, a local player that ended up going to A&M. He was massively, highly sought after, five-star guy, without I'm a not doubt. Sure. I'm not sure I have the energy to follow a transfer saga with that guy, though. He still posts oh, cryptic like, stuff on his social media to this day, and 
I imagine if he did somehow end up at Tennessee, he'd still be dealing with a lot of that. But still, I hey, yeah, I, I take him still. Ab- absolutely, I do remember he he had a little bit of that diva in him. I do remember that when in during his recruiting process, as as a lot of those guys do, um, and as I would if I was uh, you know a five star recruit that everybody wanted to have on their team. But um, also in the comments here, uh, Power T says Tennessee is twelve and zero at home. Steven says Max Johnson, A and M's quarterback, looks scared in that Bama game. On that note, let's talk about that Bama game in light uh, of Tennessee's matchup against Bama. And we'll talk about that right after uh, our. I tell you about our next great sponsor, and that, of course, is the folks at HelloFresh. If I can find my read, here it is. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it is America's number one meal kit when it comes to options. More is more with HelloFresh. That's why HelloFresh's menu includes 40 recipes and over 100 add-on items to choose from every week. A busy fall schedule doesn't always leave you with time to spare. And with HelloFresh, you don't need to spend all evening in the kitchen to whip up a wholesome meal. With their quick and easy recipes and 15-minute meals, you can get a tasty dinner on the table in less time than it takes to get takeout or delivery. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50VolsAZ and use code VOLS, that is V-O-L-S, HelloFresh.com slash 50VolsAZ, promo code VOLS, uh, for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. I mean, what a deal that is. Half off, then 15% off the next two months. Also, HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh.com slash 50VolsAZ. Promo code Vols. Thank you, thank you, thank you to them for supporting the boys here. And uh, I, I can attest, used HelloFresh over the last couple of weeks. Really good stuff. Get your hands on some. All right. So Texas A&M played Alabama. Obviously, that one's coming up for Tennessee too. So this is kind of a twofer here in talking about these two teams. Uh, Texas A&M had a lead at the half. It was in College Station. They had a lead at the half. I believe 17 to 10. They got an interception in that third quarter. It, it was looking like, oh, I mean, t- Texas A&M might blow this thing wide open. And then Alabama turned around, scored two touchdowns, took the lead. Um, not great. So where does that leave us with Texas A&M? I'll just throw it to you, Zach. What did you think of the performance that you saw from the Aggies on Saturday? I mean, I was, I, I came out of the game feeling less nervous about it. Honestly, Texas A&M or Alabama, neither one looked like championship contenders to me. Uh, obviously, Texas A&M doesn't. I, I'm not. You take the Alabama, you take you put them in different uniforms. I don't think anybody's that super high on, on this Alabama team. I was really surprised that Jalen Milrow, even with their good defensive front, sometimes that can it can be neutralized just by a running quarterback. And Milrow, I mean, I think he had like minus 30-some rushing yards. He wasn't able to kind of because you can you can kind of over pursue right like you got to be you got to have that gap integrity you've got to know when to chase the quarterback when not to when to kind of keep them contained and and if you over pursue I mean you can end up with twenty five yard gains from a running quarterback and Texas A and M did well neutralizing that but the way Texas A and M plays defense I feel like almost aside from being able to stop the run. What we, at least what we saw against Alabama, I think it kind of plays into what Tennessee wants to do with these perimeter screens, these throws to the flat. They know their secondary is not good. They know that. And to neutralize that, they're trying to get home as quick as possible to limit these deep throws. And it's almost like Texas A&M would be better. They would be better suited to stop last year's version of Tennessee's team, I feel like, than this year's version. Obviously, Getting the run going will be tough against this team. Josh Heupel and Joey Hosley, they'll tell you that they see the screens, those perimeter throws as an extension of their run game. And they can beat Texas A&M in that way. Uh, I don't know how, you know, Joe Milton is going to have to throw the ball down the field some. He's going to have to avoid pressure. He's going to have to know when to step up in the pocket and get rid of it when they do kind of try to hit on some of those throws. But I think against Alabama, you saw that they're going to blitz. They're going to blitz a lot. I think they blitz seventy percent of Milrose dropbacks. So you're going to have to use those running backs to to pick up the blockers. That might mean more Jabari Small and more Jalen Wright in the game because they do seem to trust him more in pass protection. It's not that they think Dylan Sampson's bad in pass protection. 
he's just not as big as Devin he's smaller, Wright. Dude. And and, and yeah. Jabari's small, right? So any any amount of size there is going to help you take on a, a blitzing linebacker or an edge rusher. Obviously, you don't want Jabari Small or Jalen Wright in that situation where they're blocking somebody off the edge no matter what. But if it does happen, I guess you like your odds a little bit better with 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 those two as opposed to Dylan Sampson. It's going to be tough either way. But I, I just think the way it sets up, Tennessee can kind of play their game. They might not be handing the ball off as much, creating those explosive plays. But they're going to get the ball out on the perimeter. They're going to have these one-on-one situations where maybe Square White can break one. You know, he can break a tackle. And because they've they've blitzed, you've got plenty of grass in front of you where you can pick up some chunk yardage. I do like the way that sets up. And as far as the other side of the ball, uh, you saw Alabama really kind of attack attacking the the A-gaps there coming up. They're using some stunts, like their twist game up front. I think Tennessee would be wise to to do the same, to kind of utilize James Pierce in that way. Kind of, if you can stunt, get up the A-gap, you can get at Max Johnson. Right, he did look at times kind of timid, and, and like he it made him uncomfortable. He didn't play as well in those situations. He's, he's decent on the move. He can throw better than Joe Milton on the move. Um, but still, if you're under that type of pressure, you panic. Who knows what happens? I mean, yeah. I think Tennessee's defensive front sets up well to stop that. And on the other side, I think, yes, Texas A&M's defensive front's going to be a problem. They're among the best in the nation. They're going to get home. They're going to get Joe Milton a few times. Like, it's it's going to happen. He's not Hendon Hooker. Even if Hendon Hooker was back there, I think A&M would get home against him a couple of times, too. Yeah, they're really good there. Uh, you got to hold on to the football in those situations. Maybe don't throw it away. You know, maybe you got to say, I'm going to take this sack even though I don't want to, but I don't want to throw an interception and, and give them the ball in great field position. You got to play really smart football in those situations, but I still like the way it sets up just because of Tennessee. I mean, Texas A&M does not have the secondary, I think, to stop Tennessee's receivers if, if they get the ball in their hands. Texas A&M leads the SEC with 26 sacks on the season, number one rushing defense, only allowing 84 yards per game. And and as you've already been saying, I mean, that, that was kind of Milrow's specialty. And then Milrow kind of pulled a little bit of a rabbit out of the hat in that game and, and threw some, some pretty nice passes uh, overall. He threw better than I thought he probably had the ability to throw. Um in that one, but then Texas a and the number three passing defense, also 166 yards per game. I think Tennessee. that's a little misleading, though. So with some, I, I agree. Yeah, and the yeah the the rankings in the SEC, there's a lot that goes into it. Who have you played? You know what what exactly? You, you really need to look at it on a game by game basis, and how how does your defense get beat? To to your point, and how you've been speaking about it there, I agree. Now, I, I think those perimeter screens without Brew McCoy being able to block or participate in them, oh, that's a big loss. Dante Thornton, you don't know exactly his status. Um, hamstring. Yeah, those are tough. Injury. Soft tissue. Yeah. I like it, it could be where he's, he's back close to 100% when the game starts and just some awkward hit. And all of a sudden, it's flares flares back up, and you don't know. I mean, um, but right now, would you prefer healthy? What you've seen, you want Caleb Webb out there, or do you want Dante Thornton? Hey. Because it almost feels like Caleb Webb is grasping the offense a little better than Thornton at this point. It it really does, and and frankly, Caleb Webb uh, catches the ball when it comes to him a little bit more <laughs> than um, than Dante Thornton so far. I mean, I I think physically Thornton, it's it's a hundred percent there. He just has not put it together for whatever reason, plus that injury. But, uh, I, I think I agree with you in that assessment. It does play into Tennessee's hands to a certain extent where it worries me is the short yarded situations where Tennessee does just have to line up and get two yards. Can they do that against Texas a Cause that that's been a, big part of a lot of games in, in just, you know, last year and into this year so far, boy, th- just those big moments where you, you know, you make it up to like Texas A&M's 45 yard line It's fourth and one. And, it, you know, can you gut out that, that yard 
can you get that against this Texas A&M front? That's a whole new ball game from, from what you've been playing against so far. You were pushing South Carolina around. You're not going to be pushing these boys around. At least I don't think uh, just from the look of them against Alabama. And so I'm that that's where I get skeptical. Maybe Josh Heupel can get creative. You run like that kind of that goal line play where, where you it's a shovel pass and you've, or something like that where you can, you know, get a little goofy with it to get those extra yards. Do what you got to do. Josh Heupel has done a good job. You know, the, the last year he pulled out a fullback run with a tight end. Maybe it's that. I'm not sure. But those are the things that probably worry me because I, I think Tennessee is going to get theirs in this one, especially Neyland Stadium. As I, I think it was Power T in the comments, he said, Tennessee, the, the record at home at this point, whatever the streak is, is it he, he said 12 is, is that. 12 uh, it's something like that straight wins at home they haven't right lost now. since the georgia game in 2021 i think so probably yeah, there, right. no last year and all four of their wins this year well i don't know if you, the virginia was in nashville so yeah that's i mean in that area for sure yeah and so maybe that all helps but this you just watch texas a m and and tennessee's i mean tennessee has the number one rushing offense in the sec right now and i think some some people have been wondering if that's a little bit of a What's the word? Uh, a, a fugazi, you know, a, a little um, smoke, smoke and mirrors to, to a certain extent. I don't know that I agree. I think Jalen Wright is really good. I think Dylan Sampson is really good. I I think Jabari Small is really good. And that duo or that duo, that trio all combined is really powerful. And they've done a lot of their damage. Line. They've done a lot of their damage without Cooper Mays, you know. That's true. Being there yeah. too. And that's really, I think that's the X factor because. Last week against South Carolina, or two weeks ago, yeah, offensive line played pretty well with, with Cooper Mays coming back. And obviously, like you said, South Carolina is not Texas A&M's defensive front. Still an SEC defensive front that knew that Tennessee was going to run the ball, and they wanted to stop the run. I mean, South Carolina did stop the run against Mississippi State. They got torched through the air, but they did shut down their running game when they, when they, they tried to move the ball. So it's not like it was a terrible run defense. And you know, even Alabama... Like they really didn't even try to get the run going against Texas A&M. I mean, McClellan had like twelve rushes. He was averaging almost four yards a carry, slightly below his season average. But four yards a carry is not being shut down. I mean, you pick up four yards on first down, second six is a pretty good situation to be in. You like your odds there to pick up the first down. So I don't, I don't think this is the you know the eighty-five Bears that they're rolling out there. They're a good defensive front, but Tennessee's got good players too, and and their offensive yeah. line much recruits there it just everybody knows what to do he can make the adjustments people trust him the other players trust him he knows the offenses as well as anybody out there it, it really is like having your offensive line coach on the field with you at all times so i don't i don't know that tennessee's going to go out there and rush for 200 yards I, I figure they probably will not against this defensive front but i don't I don't buy that it's going to be this like 60-yard rushing performance, especially with the game being at home. Crowd noise won't be a factor. Because that's, you know, you, you alluded to it a bit there. That's where they've got into trouble on the road when they get behind the chains and all of a sudden you've went three and out twice. The other team has put 10 points on the board and time's running. Like, you got to score. you got to throw the ball. And you have to abandon the run game. You have no choice. That doesn't seem to happen to Tennessee when they're at home. They went against the Kentucky defense last season. We kind of heard the same thing leading up to that game, that this defense would be like the best defense Tennessee had faced all season up until that point. They scored 44 points on them, and they did a lot of it by running the ball. And it was almost like they were trying to make a point last year. It's a great point. We talked about a lot. So, yeah. Is that That's same really thing going to happen on Saturday? I, I don't know, but the evidence is there that, yeah, Tennessee can game plan and, and overcome some of these good defensive fronts. And, you know, even the Georgia game last year, they had their moments. It was just the crowd noise got to them too much, and the, the pre-snap penalties just really never gave them a chance to to get into the rhythm of their offense. It's they've got to figure out a way to recreate what they do at home on the road. But the fact that this game is at home is is such a. I mean, it gives me so much more confidence that they'll win this game. And honestly, with Alabama in that Texas A&M game, the crowd was a factor against Alabama. I think yes. Alabama had like eight or nine pre-snap penalties. They it was they terrible. Play, they didn't play well. And they still yeah. managed to overcome it against this Texas A&M team. So they have a good defensive front, but they're not 
they're not a really good football team. It's absolutely a game that, that Tennessee should probably win by, you know, 10, 14 points if they're playing at their best. Well, the, I completely agree. We're going to give our prediction for the Texas a and game in the final segment. In between now and the final segment, a uh, few quick notes about uh, recruiting and some different things uh, that happened, but we'll uh, stick around for the prediction right there at the end. We'll we'll say who we think. Will Tennessee pull it out? Because I, I agree with Zach. I te- Texas A&M and that defensive front, good. Max Johnson, eh. So in totality, can, can Tennessee win the game? We'll tell you at the end but uh let's talk about recruiting right after i tell you about rattle and snap tennessee whiskey nothing goes better with a tennessee sports victory like the one that tennessee very well might have this coming saturday than a great whiskey and i'm talking specifically about rattle and snap tennessee select straight whiskey log still distillery has a tennessee whiskey product line called rattle and snap named after a long forgotten game of chance rattle and snap is a whiskey for those who make their own luck there's a four-year and an eight-year version. They're both awesome. They're great cocktails. Great just neat in a glass. Get your hands on some in stores across the state of Tennessee. But Rattle and Snap is also available in Kentucky, Indiana, and Mississippi. So run, don't walk, to go get some Rattle and Snap whiskey for those awesome Tennessee sports victories. Follow Rattle and Snap on Instagram at Rattle and Snap Whiskey. Thanks to them getting me through the, the season, win or lose. Let's be totally honest. Um, so just a, a couple of quick things. Uh, first off, you had George McIntyre, who, you know, big quarterback recruit for Tennessee. Is, and I, is, is he, he is a five-star, isn't he? Yeah. He's uh, like, the, like a top 15 overall player in the nation. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know exactly where he slotted in nationally. Um, but obviously Highly sought after. He's visited Tennessee. And I mean, the the main thing with this kid. So on uh, on 247, he is a four-star. On the 247 composite, he's a five-star. So that, that's what I was thinking about. Um, the main thing is that he's from Brentwood, Tennessee. He plays at Brentwood Academy. So he's close by. In-state. You definitely want this kid. He releases top 10. Tennessee is in it. This top 10 was a little generous. We talked about this before he actually got on the show. FIU was on it. And, you know, because a relative coaches FIU for him. his uncle. Yeah. His uncle. Yeah. <laughs> so there, there's a little bit of fluff built in there. I think Tennessee is a very, very serious contender for George McIntyre. Um, and so, you know, I, I like that it's moving along. I don't ever put that much, uh, you know, stock into uh, a top 10, but it, it's fun nonetheless. And, and a note, it's not the main note that we wanted to, to make with this, but any, any thoughts on, on that, Zach? Yeah, I mean those top ten lists. I, I top four or five, I'd get because it's kind of like okay, these are the these are the teams that are really vying for this quarterback or this recruit. Top ten, it does. It's just like you're you're just trying to give these programs some love, and I respect it. I do that, you know, respect it because I I feel like they do appreciate the time and effort that these coaches put into recruiting them. And it's got to be tough to tell some of those guys no. I, I'm sure it is because they build real relationships, but. Yeah, McIntyre's a guy you, you pretty much got to land. Uh, well, you don't have to land, I don't guess. Uh, maybe Nico's little brother would be next on the list, uh, perhaps right. if they go down that road. But being an in-state guy, six foot five, good size, athletic. I think they said he has some some college basketball offers as well. So you know he's a really athletic guy. It seems like the type of guy you want running Josh Heupel's offense, and he's going to be at the Texas A and M game this weekend. Kind of makes that even more important to put on a put on a good show and to win yeah. that game in a. What should be another great atmosphere? The game will be ending, you know, at, at dusk or nighttime, the 7 p.m. hour. So that's it should be a tremendous atmosphere. And if you can get that guy on campus and impress him in that type of environment, you've seen what he can do. I mean, we're starting to see the fruits of some of those great environments last season. We had another great one for the South Carolina game. Just makes it even more important to, to really put on a show uh, for, for guys like George McIntyre that are going to be there. 100%. We talked about it all last year when when you won the Florida game, when you won that Alabama game, and you heard from recruits after that that were just wowed by the environment, and then obviously wowed by the fact that Tennessee was winning these huge games. Also, uh, it just is so powerful, and if if you can lay down the law against Texas A&M and, and really make it impressive, it's going to be the 330 CBS game, so he's going to 
get to sit there during all those commercial breaks, have a lot of time to contemplate whether he <laughs> likes Tennessee or not. Uh, but no, I mean, I, I think it's it's going to be a real show. Eric Berry is going to be. Um, oh, yeah, that's huge. Be like the special guest. Well, he's been inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame later this year. So this is kind of the National Football Foundation puts all that together to to honor those guys on their home campuses. And that'll be a special moment for Eric Berry, who's by all means Ah. deserves that recognition. And, uh, you know, if not for what happened, you know, with, with, with cancer diagnosis and everything he went through, he would be a surefire Hall of Famer. Uh, Might even have a case without that down the road at some point, but he's, he was that type of talent that certainly deserves to be recognized. Absolutely. He was, he's one of the only dudes that I've, I've seen out in public and kind of had a little bit of a, a fanboy moment. It was just, it was back when Evan was on the, the team uh, and they, he was with his two brothers in downtown and we, my wife and I were just down there eating and I saw him and I was like, Oh, that's Eric Berry. Oh my gosh. I mean, he was just, he, dude, it was iconic when we were, when we were oh, younger. Yeah. And I had yeah. a similar moment. I think he was at the spring game one year when Butch was, was the coach, maybe like 2013 or 14 uh, early on. It was kind of the same. He deserves deal. better. Yeah. Well, <laughs> showing up with Butch, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, regardless, it's going to be a great show for George McIntyre. You got to hope. Um, that you can win this one. It, it could be huge because he could be your quarterback of the future, obviously. The other note here um, is with Gage Ginther, who is an offensive tackle. He's committed to Tennessee. And uh, he he's a four- or three-star prospect, depending on uh, who you uh, look at. But the main thing with Gage Ginther is that he is, on multiple services, the number one player from the state of Colorado. And he went and visited Dion and the Buffaloes was I think it was, was the it USC for, game. The USC game. Cause yeah, because I was about to say I think they played Arizona State at Arizona State. Yeah. Um visited and you know that that happens. Boo Carter did this already. Uh, but Gage Ginther again, number one player from the state of Colorado, goes to that visit. Colorado lost, but um comes away and then I believe he did an interview afterwards or put put it out on social media. I don't know exactly where he said this, but said that he's committed to to Tennessee. I believe he said he's he's shutting it down. Shut down yeah. the the recruiting. Uh you you know the full details there. What yeah, I, I don't it probably wasn't a big deal for a lot of people, but I think it should be a bigger deal. And I think it's something that Tennessee Tennessee should kind of tout because everything is Deion Sanders, Coach Prom. I mean oh. it's all over college game day. The novelty of it for me is kind of wore off to where, yeah, it was unique because I grew up, you know, we grew up watching Deion Sanders play, you know, played baseball, tremendous football player. He was exciting. He was the, had swagger back when that was kind of unusual to see guys play the way he did. He's an iconic figure. And when he got into coaching, I think we all thought it was just kind of like, what is this guy doing? And to his credit, he's done well, did well at Jackson State. He's won some games at Colorado. He's flipped the roster, hit kind of his own way. Um, but now you're into the season. To me, he's just another coach, but he's still kind of getting that media attention. But he's went after Tennessee's players, like not just because they're Tennessee's players. He's went after plenty of recruits, but went after Boo Carter. Gage Ganther, the number one player in the state, the Athletics said this was a player that Colorado had a high priority on. They badly wanted him. When he committed to Tennessee in the spring, they called his high school coach and was like, what did we do wrong? Like, where where did we miss the boat on this? Like, he should be at Colorado. And it's like, you didn't really do anything wrong. It's just, you're not the SEC. You're not a program like Tennessee. And, you know, Ginther kind of said like, hey, you know, the glitz and the glamour of Dion, like, it didn't impress me. Like, that's not what I'm going to play college football for. I want to win. Big. I want to try to compete for championships. Can do that at Tennessee. You can't really do that in Colorado right now. Yeah, the, the program's moving the right direction under Dion for now, and, and maybe it continues that ascent. We'll see how it all plays out. I mean, it's in the very early stages of building that program. You've seen when they've they played a team like Oregon, kind of what happens. So they got to figure that defense out before they really can can think about winning any sort of championships. But all this talk about Dion, 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 and for Tennessee to keep their guys like away from him like not lose out to him when some programs are or will. I think it says a lot about what Tennessee's built and the fact that they've built something real, because I feel like if these were butch guys, some of those would have jumped 
oh, in a yeah. heartbeat because that's what they're looking for. That's what they some of those guys. Well, not every Butch guy, obviously. There's some tremendous players that that played under Butch that Tennessee fans still love today that I still love, and you always will. And then Jennings and Dobbs and all those guys. But there are guys that you know, even when the Jeremy Pruitt era too. Like there were people that uh, who was it Austin Pope, I think, when he left uh, Tennessee. So there was guys at Tennessee that just wanted to put the uniform on and be an SEC player. They just wanted that experience. It wasn't about what she actually goes into it, the work that goes into it. And I think that tells you that these aren't those type of guys. Like they want to go win games. They want to go get developed. They're not going to be won over by this sales pitch from Dion or, or whatever he has going on out there. So for all the attention Dion gets, it's like, hey, let's let's shift to that team winning, giving that attention to you know other three and five team, three and two team or whatever the record is. Uh, this, I, four, four and two. I think they, they didn't beat Arizona. They almost lost Arizona state. They did beat Arizona state. Um, like, and you know, yeah, you can't go show your watch when you beat the one and five team Shadur Sanders. That doesn't land quite the same. It just does not have the same effect. I, uh, I, yeah, I I like like Shadur Sanders. I like Shadur Sanders. I'm not throwing shade. No, I, I, I like this a lot for, for Tennessee. I think it's great because Dion, I mean, it has, it's been the hottest thing in, in college football. This, it, it has been the college football equivalent of the Travis Kelsey Taylor Swift thing, basically. Yes. You know, that's just perfect. like the news yes. story. It's like a and, novelty act. It really is. Yeah. And, but then at, at the end of the day, now there's a lot of people who are just Dion fanboys that can't get over the fact that the fact is Colorado, not yet. Colorado's just not very good overall. Their defense is absolute trash. Their offense, especially without Travis Hunter, is Shador Sanders very fun, makes a lot of plays. The offense, it's I mean, they're the just gonna struggle. Shador Sanders, pretty much. Exactly. He he is dragging that team yes. along. Like he, that team it. exactly goes where he goes. I, re- I, I respect hey. the way he plays. Uh, hey, yeah, they, I do. they only lost to USC by a touchdown, so that's something. But um, you know, beyond that, it's a lot of glitz and a lot of glamour, and the kids can definitely get caught up in that. I mean, when you look at recruits, that stuff sells. Absolutely. You, you're you probably going to go there and, like, be on a TV show, and you're going to do all this stuff. Also, well, at the like end of the day... Musicians and rappers and celebrities oh, yeah. on the sideline. Exactly. You, you're going to be it. hanging out with whoever on, on the sideline, all these famous people. The, the Rock is showing up and all this stuff. But at the end of the day, you're also going to... I guess a, they're going to the Big 12... You're going to play in the Big 12. You know, you're going to play at Colorado, which is not a, a, a program with a lot of history. The SEC, especially when Texas and Oklahoma come in. I mean, that's just, it's the prime time of the prime time in college football. You cannot beat it. There the, will the be no league. It's the what? It's the the, what? The, the, hey, that <laughs> I, I didn't do that on purpose, but there you go. But it just, it really is. It, it's just, this is the league. This is where college football happens. College football does not happen in, in Boulder, Colorado. I mean, it does. You know what I mean by that? Like, this is the epicenter. And and so at the end of the day, Tennessee wins out in that way. And I know we're probably, we'll post this as a clip or something. There's going to be a lot of, oh, Dion is the best thing. He's the coach of the year. I, I cannot believe that I was seeing that. I saw people posting, who's the coach of the year in college football this year? So many people saying Dion. Dion, fun story. He's done an, it's an incredible experiment the way that he's flipping that roster. I think it's very cool. And, and you know, think about the flashiness and all that stuff. You know, I, I think a lot of people, it's wearing thin. But I mean, yeah, right now, crazy. Like, like like Jeff, coach of the year right now, Jeff Brom, it's Jeff Brom at Louisville or, or Britt Venables at Oklahoma. Or Britt Venables at Oklahoma. Two, oh my sure. gosh. Like, yeah, they, these guys are six and zero oh at programs that were struggling a year ago. Now Venables at Oklahoma. It was only a matter of time before Oklahoma comes back around, I think. But I mean, just like Brom, Brom at Louisville, it's, they were, they sucked last year. Yeah. And all of a sudden they're six and zero, oh, beating Notre Dame winning in, you know, in big spots. Like the come on, come on. It's okay to just say you can love Dion, absolutely, and it's also okay to love Dion and be like, it's, you know, they'll get better. They'll get better in time. They're not that great right now. It's okay to just say that. Yeah, nobody's throwing shade at Dion. Like I think it. Like I like the fact that he's out there grinding and doing something that he doesn't have to do because he loves the game that much. I guess or developing yeah. whatever the like whatever it is. That's. Look, we've talked a ton about how difficult it is to be a college football coach right now. So it's not, and I'm sure exactly. he's not putting in the hours that Josh Heupel's putting in, or okay. Nick Saban, or Kirby Smart. But still, okay. it, he's living in Boulder, Colorado, as a college football coach. It's not, it's not as glamorous as as you know 
Boulder's pretty other. sweet. I, I it will is, say yeah, it's a cool town. It's a cool place to live. But if you're it, a college football coach, how much do you even get to experience? Also true. Also a good point. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Point of all of that being, we love the gauge get there came came away uh from that. Still still loving Tennessee and shutting down his commitment. That's amazing. So there's the recruiting segment. We got to wrap up quickly here. Uh so uh Buck Buck can get uh his show going. Uh, but we'll predict the outcome of this Texas A&M game. And we'll do it right after I tell you about our last great sponsor, Zinn Sports. Uh, where Where is my read here? No. Oh, it's football season. And it's time to switch to Zinn Sports, the fastest growing sports book in Tennessee, changing the bonus game with their cash rewards program. When you sign up for Zinn Sports with code A to ZTN, A-T-O-Z-T-N, Ernie, welcome bonus that gives you 5% cash back on your total betting volume for your first 15 days of betting. And if you have friends who bet on sports, share your Zen Sports referral bonus code with them and you'll earn 3% of their betting volume for their first six months of betting on Zen Sports with no cap on how much you can earn. It is a crazy good offer. What are you waiting for? Stop wasting time and money on other sports books when you could be earning real cash rewards with Zen Sports. Download today on the App Store or at zinsports.com and your wallet will thank you later. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-889-9789. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older to bet in Tennessee. Zin Sports. Download that app. Join in on the fun there. Um, All right. Well, we talked about it. Uh, Texas A&M. And uh, Tennessee. 3.30. CBS. We're going to have to listen to Gary Danielson talk about and, and the week watch. after too the week after oh uh, yeah and just so how many commercials are we going to see between those two games four thousand commercials each each game so eight thousand commercials total mm-hmm. um but it's for for everybody who's watching drop in the comments you can give us your your score prediction uh and and we'll we'll read them out but uh, zach i'll throw it to you is tennessee gonna beat the aggies I think they will. Like, I, I feel, I mean, it, you're always going to be a ball of nerves when kickoff comes in a conference game, no matter who it is, because SEC football is just, it's hard to win games, uh, even at home. But as good as the defensive front is, like I kind of talked about earlier, I like the way some of this matches up for Tennessee. I think they'll be able to move the ball against A&M. I think they'll be able to stop A&M's offense. I feel pretty good about what the defense will be able to do. Max Johnson's a good quarterback. Like, I'm not – he's – he lit up Ole Miss when he was at LSU at one point, like 400 yards or something crazy. Like, he can throw the ball. I think they'll be able to get home against him. I think they'll be able to get home without blitzing. I think uh, Alabama showed that. They did blitz some, but they also got home and pressured him at times with just their front four. So, Tennessee's defensive line, really good. I think they'll be able to impact the game that way, especially if the crowd at Neyland is loud. Uh, that, that should really impact the game because – he didn't have to deal with that against Alabama. He's going to have to deal with that on Saturday. So I think the crowd will be a, obviously a huge factor. And, you know, Joe Milton's going to get sacked some. There will be some drives that are ugly. They go three and out. But I think they'll be able to store enough points. I have Tennessee winning 31 to 20. 31 to 20. Tennessee wins for Zach. Steven says 31 24 in the comments. Billy Bob says 21 19. Oof. Now that that would be an anomaly in the Josh Heupel era. I believe in Josh Heupel's entire career. If that ended up being the final score, I believe that would be the first time he has won a football game while scoring under 30 points. Might fact check me on that. I know that's true, at least at Tennessee. At yeah. least I'm fairly certain. Because Austin P is the lowest output so far, right? The 30. Yes, with a win. Yeah. Uh Jason says 27-23. Tennessee. Um, I ugh. Man, this one is tough. I will say Tennessee does win. I don't think Texas A&M will be able to score enough. I think Tennessee's defensive line will get to Max Johnson. The home crowd causes them to have uh, pre-snap penalties, and and you know as as it always does, the home crowd is going to be crazy. They're checkering. I know that we haven't even mentioned that yet. It's going to be checker kneeling for this one. It's going to be wild. Three thirty is just enough time for everybody. Uh, to get good and greased up before the game. Um, and so I I think the crowd will just be raucous. It's it's going to be crazy. I, you know, every Tennessee fan knows the gravity of this game and kind of what it means in the course of this season and, and just, you know, overall for Tennessee football. 
it, it's it's as close as you can get to that level of like an Alabama Georgia game without being at that level. It's one step below. If those are the elite games, this is the the great games. Um, and so you know it's going to be crazy wild. They're going to get to to Max Johnson. Can they score enough? I think so, but I think it's going to be really close. I mean, Billy Bob says 21-19, you went on a field goal. I could see this one being like stressful. Back and forth. Tennessee's down. Tennessee's up all, all over the place. It comes down to the fourth quarter. Will it come down to a field goal? I I don't know. I, I will say 34-27. And it's, and it's like 27-27 going into the final three minutes of the game. Tennessee scores a touchdown. So, you know, some very stressful outcome that's going to take years off of my life. Uh, and Power T says, Tennessee 42, Texas A&M 21. Would love that. I, I mean, obviously, the best outcome out of this to to kind of a point that you made earlier, Zach, obviously would be a blowout win for Tennessee, and that would certainly get Texas A&M maybe thinking about the Jimbo era and maybe pulling that to a close, <laughs> which is good. You know, obviously recruiting against Texas A&M is no fun, so that would be good for everybody in the SEC, frankly. Um, I think they'll probably end up doing that anyway by the end of the season. But, um, yeah, so I'll, I'll say 34-27, skin of your teeth. Win for Tennessee by a touchdown. Tennessee's what three and a half point favorite, two and a half point favorite. It's close. Yeah, I have to go. Uh, I'll go and look on Zen Sports. Go see what the line is. Um, we both say Tennessee will win. This this would be Zach. Let's not forget you said South Carolina was going to be Tennessee. Oh, I ye did. of little fame. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, obviously you can. I told you, hey, I, the if, reverse. Curse, jeans, whatever. It worked. That's what I was going for. You're so if Tennessee, if Tennessee loses this game, it is obviously all Zach's fault. Um, let's not forget that. As as Tennessee blamed me for the floor, or people blamed me for the Florida loss because I, I never picked Tennessee to be Florida. I finally did this year. Look how that turned out. Uh, I'll never make that mistake again. Um, <laughs> all right. Charlie Burris, Zach Reagan. Thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody uh, for tuning in. It, as always, it means the world. Seriously, uh, thanks so much. Timothy says it. Well, we're all thinking, go Vols. Go Vols for this week. Got to win this one. Go take it from uh, Texas A&M, and we will obviously talk about it. Uh, the, the game day show, myself, Jonathan Crompton, will be back, obviously, again for this one. Halftime, post-game here on the A to Z Sports National YouTube channel. Tune in for myself and Vols quarterback, former Vols quarterback, Jonathan Crompton. We'll be talking about the game there at halftime post game tune in on youtube that's pretty much it thank you all for watching and we'll talk to y'all next week see you guys later